allegations of racism in a Surrey park. The dispute caught on camera and what happened when both families ended up in the same park again today. Air quality concerns. We know with the amount of smoke that's, that's around that conditions can change quite quickly. The health risks from the wildfire haze and when it should clear. And careless campers. Shouldn't be doing it, but they were doing it regardless. Thousands of dollars in fines for people who ignore the campfire ban. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. Fallout from a confrontation in a Surrey Park continues tonight with allegations of racism and the accused couple trying to clarify what started it. It was all caught on camera and many people will find it upsetting. And our cameras were there today when both parties showed up again at the same park. Nitu Garcha reports. What a piece of shit. Are you recording? Yeah. How dare you kick it in their face? The now viral video is shocking. Out of nowhere, without having a conversation with them ever, they came, picked up garbage and threw it on them. Her clothes were soiled. I could see it on the side. Sahiba Sangha translating for her grandmother says the group was approached by a couple, also residents of the neighborhood who began yelling at them, accusing them of littering before a neighbor called 911. I was in tears because this couple, these women, like, they don't know a single word of English. Global News also spoke to the couple who say they regret yelling at the group of elderly women and their grandchildren but denied throwing garbage. They say they've been receiving threats and fear losing their jobs. We agreed to conceal their identity. We've built British Columbia in particular around the idea that speaking only English the right way is superior. The incident is an example of underlying racism and fear of a multilingual society, according to a UBC history professor. One of the most devastating effects, you could say, of 150 years of this systematically is in fact how children learn to internalize this. They were telling them to go back to their India. That's like treating being treated like garbage. This nine-year-old witness among those scared to come back here. I don't give a it's not yours. After the incident, which has been condemned by politicians and members of the community, an anti-racism rally is being organized at the park Tuesday night. That's something they're going to carry forward in their life. And so unless we speak up and we stand up against and, you know, this kind of uh, ignorance or and not tolerate the fact that something did take place that day, um, we definitely cannot put this behind us. Surrey RCMP are still investigating, returning to the scene Monday to take more statements. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Surrey. Certainly been a hot weekend around the province, and here's a snapshot of conditions. This is the latest fire danger rating map updated this afternoon. And much of the province, as you can see, is in yellow and orange, which is in the moderate to high range. And there's also a number of areas in red, which is considered extreme. Now, we are also seeing extreme fire behavior in parts of the province. One of the most aggressive fires is the White Rock Lake Fire west of Kelowna. It's jumping fire lines, increasing evacuation orders and alerts, and it's leaving residents on edge. Catherine Urquhart reports. 
Locals rush to build fire guards, doing what they can as the massive White Rock Lake wildfire continues to burn 34 kilometers west of Vernon. It now covers about 32,000 hectares and has prompted evacuation alerts and orders for hundreds of properties. Oh, we're getting a little worried, like, you know, it's down, it's getting pretty close to White Man's Creek, that's probably the biggest concern right now. We've all kind of packed up, we're ready to go, um, just kind of waiting around now just to see if it happens. Some rain fell on Sunday, which helped to reduce growth, notably near Falkland. Very nervous. Um, there are, I come from a large family. There are 11 of us, so I'm worried about them all. Around BC, there are approximately 244 wildfires burning, about 35 of them considered fires of note. So far, 550,000 hectares have burned, worse than in 2017, a record-breaking fire season. That year, just under 500,000 hectares had burned by this long weekend. Thousands of British Columbians are being impacted by evacuation alerts and orders. Over 25,000 properties affected by the evacuation orders and alerts. Incredibly, 21% of the Thompson-Nicola Regional District is under evacuation orders, alerts and local states of emergency. The most aggressive wildfires are burning near 100 Mile, in the Kootenays, South Okanagan and again at White Rock Lake, west of Vernon. 3,500 personnel are fighting them, some from out of province and from out of country with possibly more help on the way. We continue to have conversations with the Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Centre. In Cranbrook, the arrival of rain was reason to celebrate, and much more precipitation is desperately needed, as BC faces excessively dry conditions and battles a record-setting wildfire season. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The hazy skies seem to be clearing up in some areas, but there is an air quality advisory still in effect for the Fraser Valley and parts of Metro Vancouver tonight. As Grace Key reports, officials say it's unusual to issue an advisory so early in the season related to wildfires. Hazy skies are blanketing Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. The smoke is coming from wildfires burning in the interior in Washington State. An air quality advisory has been issued for the region and could stick around for the next few days. This is one of the earlier uh, air quality advisories we've issued for wildfire smoke in the region. Uh, it was all precipitated really around the time of the heat wave, late June, early July. That really set the province alight uh, and the wildfire risk increased. We haven't seen uh, any appreciable precipitation since that time, so it's only got worse. While the Vancouver area isn't too bad, the eastern Fraser Valley does have a higher health risk, and Chilliwack cooling centers are doubling up as clean air locations. The two days before were quite heavy. Today has cleared up somewhat. Yeah. It's uh, still pretty, pretty foggy. Yeah, staying in, indoors with the windows closed. And using a, a air purifier. Closer to the fires, parts of the interior are getting hit hardest. At Kelowna International Airport, several flights were cancelled or delayed because of poor visibility and an expanded no-fly zone in the vicinity of the White Rock Lake fire. It's not looking good for us for the next couple of days till Wednesday anyway, so that's a couple of days staying extra, which it's nice here. As the, the morning progressed, 
things slowly started to cancel, so we decided to show up here, hoping for the best that we could take our rental to Alberta um, and no dice. But onshore winds forecast for Tuesday may begin to clear the smoke. Tomorrow there's a more significant change coming with a bit of onshore flow that should help clear the smoke out of the lower mainland. But it might take a day or more for that to fully clear out the smoke, so they'll have to watch conditions as they change. Grace Key, Global News. And keep it right here for senior meteorologist Christy Gordon and her expertise. Uh, let's talk about these conditions, Christy, and when we might be breathing a little easier. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Chris. Well, I just wanted to give you a perspective. This is the official air quality index across southern BC, and there's a huge variation. So South Coast had some improvement today. You can see a lot of those areas highlighted in blue. That means that we've got a low air quality index. Uh, Eastern Fraser Valley, Whistler, you can see in yellow, that's a moderate level, but a huge difference from a very high level through uh, Kamloops, Okanagan, right down and through the South Okanagan as well, by the way, and the West Kootenai region. So 10 plus is the highest you can get. The concentration there is so high and thick that we are hoping for some improvement tomorrow with that westerly flow. This is tomorrow morning still thick, but by the afternoon at least we'll start to see some improvement, not the thick concentrations that they're seeing today. Although it is expected to still be quite smoky, but in the days to come we have further improvement expected and I'll have that when I come back. All right, we'll check in a little later. Thanks very much, Christy. Now, despite the high to extreme fire risk across much of B.C., conservation officers say too many people are still ignoring the campfire ban and putting people and property at risk. Paul Johnson has more on the shocking behavior and why some feel the current punishment for rogue campers is not tough enough. Setting up for a few days of forest relaxation in Golden Ears Park. Most we encountered Monday were well aware of the fire situation and came prepared. We have our uh, little propane stove and that's, that's good enough. <laughs> but apparently not good enough for an alarming number of selfish scofflaws. Check out some of the pictures we got from the Conservation Service of outdoor fires that have been set just in the past few weeks even as B.C. is under historic drought conditions. And right after, we lost an entire town to a wildfire. What gives? There's no good explanation whatsoever. Conservation Sergeant Todd Hunter told us this story from Alouette Lake right after they put up a sign at the boat launch. A group was loading up a boat full of firewood, and I asked them what they were doing with it, and... Uh, they, they were very oblivious to it. So just so you know, we do have a fire ban in effect right now. So no wood burning at all, uh, no candles, no tiki torches. With all of the outreach going on, it's hard to imagine anyone doesn't know about the rules. So what appears to be going on is a chronic willingness to just flaunt them. Despite the price he finds, more than $1,000 per fire. With dozens already issued, many are saying they're obviously too lenient and ought to change. I think it should be a punishable offense. Like you said, fines don't really cut it, and then people don't pay their fines. So, you know, maybe it should be a night in jail. It should be something because fires are devastating. One idea that's been floated is to start ticketing everyone around the fire and possibly ask lawmakers to approve the seizure of campers, vehicles, and other gear from the worst offenders. Bottom line, if you insist on having your weenie roast in wildfire season, expect no sympathy. It's um, a blatant disregard for, um, you know, other people's safety. In Golden Ears Park, Paul Johnson, Global News.
And fire officials are keeping a close eye on Stanley Park this evening after reports of smoke on a trail just north of Lost Lagoon earlier tonight. These photos show crews in the area of Cathedral Trail just before 5 p.m. And according to witnesses, crews responded to the area quickly and pulled their hose through the forest to extinguish what turned out to be a small fire. The fire risk is so extreme right now, officials are taking the unusual step of closing the park at night for the first time in its 133 history. No official word yet on what sparked today's fire. Staycation patience with thousands of B.C. travelers returning home. How the warnings seem to have worked. That's next on the News Hour. An Afghan restaurant repeatedly vandalized in a series of baffling crimes. That's coming up on the News Hour. And BC's highest honor for Dr. Bonnie Henry. That's later as well. Right now, though, the long weekend is proving to be a business bonanza for people who rely on tourism money. Sold out ferries on Friday led to sold out hotels in Victoria right through the weekend leading to crowds, as Kylie Stanton tells us, the capital hasn't seen in a long time. Start your engines. It's the Monday of the long weekend. And despite the warnings, some travelers are living on the edge. No, no, we don't have reservations going back. But it turns out no reservation, no problem. They said there's no waiting right now, so we got lucky, I guess. <laughs> lucky indeed, given the chaos that ensued heading into the holiday. This wait is really annoying. On Friday, BC ferries saw unprecedented traffic, resulting in massive delays. It's pretty shocking that trying to get anywhere, I think, today is a big challenge. Even a crew got caught up in the Sawasan Causeway due to the sheer volume. It's quite busy. And naturally, that trend continued once visitors arrived at their destination. Super busy lineups at the cafe doors. But it's a welcome turn of events for the tourism sector. Looking much more promising compared to what it has been over the last year and a bit. According to Destination Greater Victoria, the city sold out, leaving attractions like the new Malahat Skywalk incredibly busy. But the business is largely due to extremely unusual market conditions. This is said to be seasonal, last minute, and weather dependent. But we're very grateful because there's a, certainly a lot of energy and a great vibe. Summer is, is our busy time and August is the busiest month. So uh, this, is, this is much more typical that, you know, now than it would be pre-pandemic times. With the expectations everyone would be returning home Monday, BC Ferries tweeted, it's a busy day for travel. Sailings from Swartz Bay to Sawasan are sold out today. Customers without a booking should consider travel on alternative days or walking on board to avoid sailing waits. While it seems many have listened, others decided to just get creative. We figured um, probably best to jump over onto Vancouver Island, go through Comox, come all the way down to Nanaimo, <laughs> hang the long ferry round and uh, make our way back to Surrey that way. And uh, so far, success. Either way, the smooth sailing means the long weekend vacation is ending much better than it started. Kylie Stanton, Global News. And BC Ferries is apologizing to dozens of passengers who booked passage on a sailing that didn't exist today. As many as 60 cars on Pender Island were booked this morning on a sailing to the mainland that never materialized. Someone at BC Ferries incorrectly built today's schedule in the system. The company had to rebook travelers from the southern Gulf Islands to Tawasson via Swartz Bay. Normally, a nonstop trip would be an hour and 20 minutes. Instead, passengers took to Twitter to say their journey took five hours or more because of the mix-up. 
Still ahead, the fourth wave rolls across the U.S. Things are going to get worse. The worst states for spiking infections and hospitalizations. Also tonight, a wash in vaccine supply. Canada faces a new problem that could spoil thousands of doses. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6. On the COVID-19 front in BC, we won't get the new infection numbers until tomorrow with four days of data to report. Meantime, there are new concerns about vaccine waste. In Ontario, thousands of doses of Moderna are set to expire. Pharmacists in that province citing the Pfizer factor. Global's Sean O'Shea has a look at how much vaccine is in danger of going to waste across the country. In Canada's largest city and most populous province, the question of vaccine supply and demand has been turned upside down. I think it's ridiculous. Only weeks ago, getting an appointment for a dose of COVID-19 vaccine was a little like winning a lottery. Now, over uh, several thousand are set to expire on August 6th. Wasting them and having to throw them away because they've expired is really one of those things that we don't want to see happen. Canada is awash in vaccine supply. The problem, a decline in those wanting shots, and now a growing consumer brand preference. People are turning away uh, when they find out it's Moderna or not showing up. Pharmacists say some customers are worried that mixing and matching, having two different types of vaccines, will limit their travel opportunities. It's not so much that Moderna has a bad name, it's just that Pfizer has really dominated the market in mRNA vaccines. With only a billion of seven billion vaccinated around the world so far, this woman who's had one dose of each says it's wrong. I've immigrated here from Pakistan. People are dying there and they don't have access to Moderna. I have a Moderna and a Pfizer and, you know, I'm happy to be fully vaccinated at this moment. How to avoid waste? We should be right now talking to uh, other countries to say, what do you need? What can we help with? Can we donate? Not practical for supplies expiring this week, say pharmacists. Their association has asked the Ontario government to authorize a third booster shot rather than throw out the doses. Elderly, senior folks, um, those that are in high-risk populations. And for those still on the fence... That Moderna is a very good vaccine. It's equally as good as the Pfizer vaccine. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. Across many parts of the United States, the COVID-19 crisis is bringing back memories of a time very few want to live through again. Florida is reporting record-breaking hospitalizations. More cities are back under mask mandates, and leading health officials are warning that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest. The floodgates have been opened once again, leaving America to drown in a crisis it's never been able to outrun. We remain concerned about the continued rise in cases driven by the Delta variant. The problem lies in plain view, thanks to half of the country still not being fully vaccinated. Things are going to get worse. Nowhere is that more true than in Florida. 21,000 people are in hospital, higher than at the top of the curve last year. There are zero preventative measures in place in the state. 100% of the people in my ICU in the intensive care unit are unvaccinated. Florida, Missouri, Louisiana, Texas, and California account for at least 40% of all new cases in the U.S. And all but California have vaccinated less than half of their population. At a weekend pop-up clinic in Missouri, no one showed up. Love you. I love you. Across the state, it's a repeat of 2020, with families watching loved ones suffer through hospital windows because of a choice they've made. Those who are unvaccinated 
who are struggling, and they are primarily the ones who are getting infected. It's a decision that's being enabled do not get vaccinated by people with a platform as the anti-vax population stands firm in their denial of reality. But there are signs of progress. We have hit 70% of people in this country, of adults, uh, who are vaccinated. It's only with one shot, and it's a month late. And in that time, COVID has spread, prompting the return of masks. We've got to be able to respond and change uh, our behavior, our guidance, you know, as the science, as the data changes. Some cities, like New York, are opting against masks, instead pushing for vaccines. But seven months in, there are still so many Americans opting against the shot, at least a million doses have gone to waste in 10 states. And with more than 35 million confirmed infections, a single discarded shot increases the risk for everyone. Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington. It's the BC Day long weekend and the perfect time to announce the 2021 Order of BC recipients. One of the people at the top of the list, no surprise to many, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry for all of her work leading BC during the pandemic. 16 people received the honour, including Kilcoteen Chief and First Nations leader Joel Fons, Also, former MLA and President of SFU Andrew Petter. The Order of BC is the highest recognition in our province and recognizes some of the most outstanding people who have left a lasting legacy in their fields of work. As more Canadians get vaccinated, thoughts of travel are top of mind for many. But if you're one who likes to use a travel agent to help plan your adventures, you might find it a little more difficult to find one. Global's Karen Lieberman explains why many in the industry might not survive much longer without Ottawa's help. Canada's tourism industry is ready for takeoff, with travel being booked or rebooked after COVID-19 first crushed plans and shut down borders. Our company had 10,000 cancellations. Leaving travel agents like Richard Vanderloop scrambling. The rebookings and the cancellations and the rebookings, and then ultimately the winter vacations being terminated altogether. And now we're going through the third or fourth wave of this, which is now the refunds. Travel may be making a slow comeback, but the damage has been done for travel agencies. Vanderloop closed all 25 of his storefront locations. Staff now work remotely. Across Canada, more than 800 storefront agencies are now permanently closed. The Association of Canadian Travel Agencies, or ACTA, estimates the industry's agencies and agents are still seeing a revenue decline of 95%. The last uh, 16 months have absolutely been devastating. ACTA is calling on Ottawa to extend financial support until the end of 2021. So far, multiple COVID-19 benefits will last through much of October. So today, I'm announcing that we are extending the wage and rent subsidies and lockdown support until October 23rd of this fall. A much-needed lifeline, because while travel agents may have been busy throughout the pandemic, cancelling or rescheduling, they weren't actually earning any income. Travel agents aren't actually paid until people leave. And so there's no income whatsoever until at least later this year and into 2022. So it's tough times. And so I'll expect more closures. As vaccination rates increase and Canadians feel more confident making plans, the future for travel is bright for those agencies that survive. Travel is a pent-up demand. People have been dreaming about it. We just need help to get to the end of 2021. Karen Lieberman, Global News, Toronto. 
Up next, South Surrey's Afghan kitchen hit by a vandal. It's definitely very scary. The string of crimes putting this popular restaurant's future at risk. And a plague on the prairies, a southern Alberta town being eaten by grasshoppers. We have some breaking news to pass along now. Police tape is up and heavily armed officers have closed off a back alley at 59th and Knight in Vancouver. Members of the gang crime unit are on scene along with a canine unit, although there is no word yet from VPD at this point as to what they're investigating. An ambulance was dispatched, but it left the scene without lights and sirens. Both ends of the alley were closed off with members of the ERT Chase, uh, casing the area. We'll give you an update as soon as we hear more if we can get it from the authorities who are on scene. Kelowna's mayor is speaking out tonight about a double shooting over the weekend there, saying he's distressed and concerned about the gun violence. It happened in the Pandosi neighborhood. 37-year-old Kyle Giannis, a known gangster from West Kelowna with a notorious reputation, was shot. He suffered minor injuries while a second man a 25-year-old from Surrey is fighting for his life in hospital. Mayor Bazran says gun violence is extremely rare in Kelowna, and the RCMP indicated the shooting was targeted. Still, Bazran says public safety is a top priority for City Hall. The city has budgeted more than $43 million to safer streets this year alone. So far, no arrests have been made. A 14-year-old boy has been rushed to hospital with serious and potentially life-threatening injuries after being struck by a car in Kelowna this afternoon. It happened in the 1400 block of KLO Road just after noon. Police say the collision happened at a crosswalk. Police say the driver remained on scene and is cooperating with the investigation. Police are asking any witnesses who have not yet spoken with them to come forward as well as anyone who may have dash cam or surveillance video of the area at that time. A South Surrey restaurant that struggled with staffing issues and a number of thefts during the pandemic is now recovering from another setback. Imadagahi has more on the patio rampage caught on video and why the business owner is showing compassion for the suspect. Nothing has been removed from the scene that staff at Afghan Kitchen walked into Sunday morning. The South Surrey restaurant's outdoor patio heaters tipped over and smashed. A rock next to the broken window of the owner's car. It's definitely very scary. Surveillance cameras seem to have caught the entire situation that had actually began the night before, when the suspect had approached the staff asking for free food. Um, he was quite upset. You could hear him say that um, because we didn't give him food, um, he was quite upset about that. I mean, we gave him donuts, uh, but we were closed. It was midnight. We were leaving after an 18-hour shift. Uh, we would have been happy to help him out uh, during our business hours. Hours later, the same person is seen urinating outside the restaurant before coming back at dawn for the assault on the patio. What's scary was the fact that after he had vandalized, left, and um, the police had assured us that he was looked after, um, he was back here last night. Scared all of her staff. Uh, I could see in their faces that they were quite worried about their safety. Last August, the same restaurant was also dealing with overnight mischief. This video capturing a woman pulling up to steal plants from the patio. All night long, I was thinking, 
what am I going to find when I come back this morning? RCMP say they have identified the vandal but did not say if an arrest was planned. The situation taking a mental toll on the owner and the staff of Afghan Kitchen on top of what could be up to $15,000 in damage. The last thing needed during a time when business and hiring staff after the pandemic has proved difficult for many BC small restaurants. Amadagahi, Global News. In health matters tonight, renewing calls for pregnant women to get vaccinated against COVID-19. In a statement, U.S. doctors involved with the two leading organizations representing American obstetricians are reassuring women that tens of thousands of expectant moms have received the shots without any complications. The experts are urging expectant moms to roll up their sleeves now amid rising number of cases and the elevated risk of severe illness and death linked to the Delta variant. Only 16% of pregnant women in the U.S. have received at least one dose of a vaccine by now. Coming up, the power of kindness. Just share a little kindness in the world. Random acts that have real impact and a campaign to get one million people involved. And in sports, an epic win for Canadian women's soccer, their golden opportunity after beating the U.S. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The exceptionally hot and dry summer is causing a different kind of explosive problem in southern Alberta. It involves pests. Grasshoppers are wreaking havoc on farmland and in several neighborhoods in the city of Lethbridge. As Global's Heather Yorick's West explains, many residents are feeling trapped inside their homes. Homeowners in the Lethbridge neighborhood of Copperwood say they feel under siege. Hundreds of grasshoppers have filled yard after yard, consuming grass, trees and plants until there's really nothing left. Residents say they haven't been able to enjoy their outdoor spaces for weeks. It's gotten to the point where we have to shut all of the curtains in our house most of the time, but especially during supper, because, you know, we'll just look behind us or in our peripherals, we'll just see them, you know, scaling the windows and we can hear like a little tick, tick, tick. My husband, he sprayed the yard twice now and they will, they will all die and you'll see it's like a graveyard of grasshoppers. But within 36 hours, thousands more have come back. University of Lethbridge grasshopper expert Dan Johnson says Southern Alberta had already been on track for a bad grasshopper season. But high temperatures in June and July have made the grasshopper population explode. Since grasshoppers are laying eggs for next year, summer 2022 could be even worse. It's bad news for farmers who have already struggled through devastating drought conditions. Homeowners say they're not sure how much more of this they can take, but it is very likely these bugs will continue to be a problem right through to the fall. Heather Urex West, Global News, Lethbridge, Alberta. Wildfires, giant swarms of grasshoppers, take your pick with this hot, dry weather. None of it's good, but there may be some rain in the <laughs> forecast. We'll let Christy give us all the details now, Christy. That's right. So we're going to break it down region by region in a second. But first, Chris, I want to show you this. We have a severe thunderstorm warning in effect for a number of regions. So it includes the region west of Prince George along Highway uh, 16 there, along Highway 97 south of Prince George as well, New Qu uh, Quinell, and certainly so just north of Williams Lake. So there's a number of cells that are traveling towards the northeast very slowly, about 20 kilometers an hour. Within that, you can expect gusty winds, certainly lightning, but also downpours of rain and 
and the possibility of hail. So be aware of that if you know anyone traveling in that region as well. So this was the smoky skies today. We talked about the high concentrations of particulate matter in that region. We're still expecting the smoky skies warning or uh, bulletin to continue tomorrow, uh, but we will likely see some dispersion at least by the afternoon. Heat warning, though, believe it or not, continues for Howe Sound and the eastern parts of Vancouver Island. We're still expecting uh, areas away from the water to be in the low 30s in the afternoon and overnight only 18. It'll likely only be another 24 hours of that heat. By Thursday, that's when we're going to see the moisture for coastal regions. Likely later in the day, that will shift into the interior on Friday. We are going to remain unsettled though Saturday and Sunday. So much cooler conditions, certainly Friday, Saturday and Sunday with cloud and at the very least, uh, sorry, at the very least cloud cover, but hopefully some moisture as well. In the meantime, we still have three days of dry weather on the way. For the interior, the slight risk of a thunderstorm tomorrow afternoon for the south coast will likely see the haze ease up, but we could still see a little bit more tomorrow afternoon. Again, it's Thursday evening. We're expecting rainfall for Metro Vancouver and in the interior, it will be Friday. Now, here's a look at tonight's central windows weather window. This is from uh, the Nicusp region where Barb wanted to really show us the difference from April 6th this year to today. Incredibly drastic in through that region. So hopefully some relief for those areas tomorrow. Quite startling. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. And thanks, Barb, for sending that in. Now, Vancouver's Punjabi market is getting a modern makeover. Work has begun on a series of four big murals in the hub of South Asian culture along Main Street. Murals in the Market is a partnership between the Vancouver Mural Festival and the Punjabi Market Regeneration Project with support from the city and a number of corporate sponsors. The goal is to facilitate storytelling and bring new life to the area that has struggled in recent years. It's been 51 years since the market um, has been established and over the years it has definitely um, lost the charm, I would say. Um, it used to attract so much um, back in the days and uh, that has kind of, I would say, decayed down a little bit and this will help so much. The four murals are set to be completed by mid-August. Off to a beautiful start, no doubt about it. All right, Squire joins us and uh, a look ahead to sports. We're talking a lot about women's soccer, of course, but... A lot of people excited about the uh, football season upcoming as well. Yeah, we'll talk about both types of football. Mm -hmm. The one we saw at the Olympics today and the one we'll see uh, later this week when the Lions open up the regular season against Saskatchewan. Now, in 2019, the last time the Lions played, quarterback Michael Riley was getting sacked way too much. In fact, he got injured because he got sacked so much. But he believes his offensive line will be better this year. Yeah, I'm excited to watch them play and, and to stand there behind them. The offensive line will be the key to improving on that disastrous 2019 season. Look forward to that. Also, the campaign for 10 million acts of kindness and how you can take part and pay it forward. Special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, 
Real stories on Global News Hour at 6. Well, I know where a lot of people are going to be on Thursday night at 7 o'clock local time. It was nice they put the game on just after our show ends. Very considerate. Very nice of them. <laughs> um, Canada's women's soccer team will play for a gold medal on Thursday night, 7 o'clock, our time, against Sweden. And I'm going to guess this might be the most watched event for Canadians at this year's Olympic Games. For one thing, it's not on just after midnight. And the best part of all is which team Canada beat to get to the gold medal game. Earlier this morning, the Canadians defeated the U.S. 1-0, the number one ranked team at the tournament. It's just the fourth time in 64 games that Canada has beaten the team from down south. This is a shot of the only goal in the game. It was scored on a penalty kick by Jesse Fleming in the 74th minute after Deanne Rose was pulled down in the uh, penalty area. And actually, Christine Sinclair picked up the ball. We thought she was going to take the kick, but she gave it to Fleming to take it. So, for the first time in 20 years, the Canadians have defeated the Americans. The Americans didn't look all that good at this tournament. They lost to Sweden in the opening game, 3-0. All right, so that was a big revenge win by the Canadians over the U.S., considering the way they lost to them in the Olympics in London. And hopefully, beating the Americans won't lead to an emotional letdown in the gold medal game for Canada. But playing Sweden is a bit of a revenge game as well, because it was the Swedes who knocked Canada out of the last Women's World Cup in the quarterfinals, 1-0. Well, the Vancouver Whitecaps have never invested as much time and as much money on getting a new player as they did with Scottish midfielder Ryan Gold. It has been an open secret for quite a while in Europe that Vancouver was prepared to outbid a lot of teams for his services. And they did just that. Gave him a three-year deal worth almost $3 million per season. And he was watching the Whitecaps play live and in person Saturday against Minnesota down in Salt Lake City. But today, he got to get on the field with his teammates in Vancouver. And there he is, number 25. Coming off perhaps his best season as a pro playing over in Portugal... So good, in fact, a lot of Scottish fans were puzzled why he didn't play for Scotland at the Euros. He's described as an attacking midfielder, one that generates offense. But uh, people who've watched him in Europe say he was also pretty good defensively as well. Now, you can't tell much in practice, but he did look good with the ball in tight spaces, showing his quality that way. And we'll hear from him tomorrow. He'll have a press conference. Okay, the BC Lions, as we all know, haven't played football in almost two years. They have a new coach, they have a new general manager, but there still are enough people around that team from 2019 who remember how easy it was for other teams to get at Michael Riley and whoever else was playing quarterback that season. The Lions led the CFL in 2019 in sacks allowed, and nobody wants that to happen again. Because if it does, things aren't going to go so well. Here is a painful reminder from 2019 as to why BC needs to improve its offensive line. Michael Riley eventually got hurt that season because of the number of hits he had to take. But this year, Riley says he feels a lot safer with the wall of guys in front of him. Yeah, I'm excited to watch them play and to stand there behind them because, um, you know, I had a lot of confidence during the offseason, but watching them during this training camp, it's great to see guys 
that are returning um, that were banged up pretty much the whole year. You know, people talk about how banged up I was, but our offensive line was even more banged up. I think they're going to be pretty strong, so we got to see it in action in the game, but uh, all indications are to me, I think they can be a strength of our team. Injuries along the offensive line were a problem in 2019, but structure was as well. The Lions changed offensive line coaches that season, bringing in Kelly Bates, who is still with them today. Fortunate that we were able to work with Kelly some for some of the season last year. Uh, you know, things have kept some congruency from years to years, but uh, we've got a great group of guys this year. Even the you know the backups, PR guys, they're all they're all great players, great guys, ready to go. I've got high hopes. I think we're going to do really well. And the smoke that chased the Lions out of their Kamloops training camp a week early and relocated them to their Surrey headquarters hasn't dimmed the optimism the Lions have about themselves. I like their attitude and I like their enthusiasm. You know, you're, you're kind of in a race against time of, of getting as polished as you can be from a scheme point of view and all that. But uh, I definitely, uh, the enthusiasm, the attitude, all those things, which is, a, which is a big part of it, has been really good. And a different coaching staff, of course, meant a different way of handling training camp and practices getting ready for the season. How our staff is operating this year, it feels like the tempo uh, is really fast-paced. You know, we're not on the field for a, a super long period of time, but we're getting a lot of work done while we are on the field. So there's no, you know, wasted downtime in between. Guys aren't walking around, sitting around, waiting for stuff to happen. There's always something going on. But we're going to have energy, we're going to have fun doing it, but we're going to get it done in a timely fashion too. The Blue Jays hadn't lost since coming back home to Toronto until this afternoon against Cleveland. Oscar Mercado scoring Framio Reyes to make it 2-0 in the third. Of course, Cleveland is still known as the Indians. Next year, they'll be known as the Guardians. Whoa! That's going all the way. Vladimir Guerrero, two-run shot, 2-2 in the sixth. They go to 10, but Jose Ramirez... Has a two-run homer of his own. Long drive to left and 5-2 would be and the final for Cleveland over the Blue Jays. Ball. Speaking of Toronto, after nine years, Kyle Lowry is leaving the Toronto Raptors for the Miami Heat. It was a sign-and-trade deal between the Raptors and the Heat. In return, Toronto gets forward Precious Achua and uh, point guard Goran Dragic. Lowry is 36, but the Heat think he can still elevate them nonetheless. He is one of the most popular Raptors ever. Big part of their build-up to a championship team. And even though Kawhi Leonard was the main reason Toronto won the title, it might not have happened without Kyle Lowry being there as well. Doesn't leave in an acrimonious fashion. It was just time for both sides to move on. Great player. Great player. Go. Yeah, even as he does age out. Still well, he's one of those guys who doesn't seem to age. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's found the fountain of youth somewhere in a Gatorade bottle or something. It's quite amazing. And he should share it. All right, thanks very much, Squire. The gift of kindness and the search for a million people willing to give it. Coming up next. Kelowna Woman is hoping to create a kindness ripple effect, encouraging communities to come together after we've all been kept apart because of the pandemic. Global Sydney Morton introduces us to Crystal Flamin and her 10 million acts of kindness campaign. Bring a little kindness today. Oh. There's some kindness cards for you. Oh, thank you. And please take two 
one to keep, one to give away. Crystal Flamin is all about kindness. She believes that random acts of kindness can go a long way. On Monday, she decided to hand out flowers to strangers and put kind notes on people's cars. You know, in a world where we can be anything, uh, why not be kind? And so I thought, why don't we create a, a bit more momentum about kindness? And we thought we could gather a million people to share 10 random or not so random acts of kindness, thereby adding up to 10 million acts of kindness. We are sharing a little bit of kindness today. The random acts of kindness could be anything from buying a stranger a coffee to flashing a smile or something a little more grandiose. Last year, she officially kicked off the campaign at a coffee shop in Kelowna. This year, she says practicing kindness is more important than ever. I think over the last year, it's been tough for a lot of people and we felt very alone and disconnected. And so now more than ever, it's an opportunity to, to think of others and be thoughtful and just share a little kindness in the world. With every flower, smile and kind word handed out today, Flamin hopes that the people who received the gesture go on to practice kindness themselves. And I do believe that indeed we can change our own lives, the lives of our families, our communities, and even change the world. To help spread her message, Flamin has launched a new website where people can get ideas on the variety of ways to be kind. Through that website, she is also raising money to help support the Boys and Girls Club. Sydney Morton, Global News, Kelowna. Very nice. All right, kindly... Send us on our way with the last look at the forecast. Christy? So it could be a little uncomfortable for sleeping tonight. Some areas only dropping down to 17, 18. More sunshine on the way and hopefully less haze, especially for those of you in the interior. A slight risk of a thunderstorm, but also hopefully a reduction in the smoke in your region. For sure. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Happy 10th birthday to the most amazing boy in the world, my son, William. Have a good night, everybody.